Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It is Friday, August 19th, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week here on KYMN Radio. This weekly show focuses on policy, not politics. We take deep analytical dives into important public policy issues. Our weekly guests are experts in a policy area, and we tap into their knowledge to learn about their policy challenges and opportunities. Challenges and opportunities based on data derived from research with policy options that naturally emerge from the research. And we've built a bullpen of hosts who represent the political spectrum from the center right to the center left. You'll hear our our hosts stay away from politics and remain focused on the policies and the policy opportunities we should consider in dealing with the shared challenges we face as Minnesotans and as Americans. For this week's show, your hosts are myself, Rich Larson. I'm the news director here at KYMN Radio. And the man across from me is John Olson, a former Navy intelligence officer who spent time at the American Embassy in Helsinki. He is an author, an adjunct an adjunct professor at Carleton College, and the host of a show on uh, KYMN Radio we call National Security This Week. John, I am very excited about today's show. I'm really excited about today's show. We have, we have with us today a globally recognized expert on uh, education policy. Dr. Pasi Salberg is joining us via Zoom from his home country of Finland. Dr. Salberg is a Finnish educator and author. He has worked as a school teacher, a teacher educator, an academic, and as a policymaker in Finland while serving as the Director General of the Finnish Education System. Dr. Salberg has also advised school, uh, schools and education system leaders around the world. He has served as a Senior Education Specialist at the World Bank in Washington, D.C., the Lead Education Specialist at the U- European Tra- uh, Training Foundation in Torino, Italy, Director General at Finland's Ministry of Education and Culture, and Visiting Professor of Practice at Harvard University. A recipient of numerous awards, Dr. Salberg's 2013 book, Finnish Lessons, What Can the World Learn from Educational Change in Finland, won the Graumeyer Award here in the United States for, and I emphasize this, an idea that has the potential to change the world. He has also published three new books in the past two years, and we'll ask him about those two, uh, those three books later in the show. He's currently professor of education at Southern Cross University in Lismore, New South Wales, Australia. Dr. Salberg lives in Len- Lenox Head, New South Wales, with his wife and his two sons. Dr. Posse Salberg, welcome to this week's edition of Public Policy this, this Week. We are truly honored that you could join us today. And Posse, we have, to, we have a lot I want to cover, so I want to jump right into it. Uh, we asked you to join us to talk about Finland's experience in fundamentally reforming your education system. Uh, let's go back 50 years. Uh, you and I had some exchanges over email before we set up for this show, and it's been 50 years since uh, Finland really reformed the system. Could you please tell us how Finland's education system worked 50 years ago? And, and if you could maybe discuss Finland's economic situation, uh, where your country stood on the global index, the economic index, the major industries that were in Finland, that, that sort of thing. Maybe you could just sort of paint us a mental picture of what Finland was like and the education system was like 50 years ago. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, both for having me in, in your show. It's a, it's a true honor to um, to be your guest and speak to you from from beautiful Helsinki, Finland. And hello to all the Minnesota Finns if they are listening to this <laughs> program. And, uh, and and thanks for the um, thanks for the topic of education that is important not only for the Finns and our history, but also there in, in Minnesota. I've been there a number of times in your beautiful 
uh, state of 10,000 lakes. As you know, the Finland is a country of uh, 100,000 lakes, so we have a little <laughs> bit to catch, catch up, but we, we, we're getting there. So, yeah, indeed, actually, the, the, this month is almost the, exactly 50 years ago today when Finland started to do away the old uh, school system. The education has been here, of course, since the, the 19th, uh, mid-19th century. But we had all the way until 50 years ago, we had an uh, education system that was inspired by a German model. And it was uh, uh, it basically divided children into two different educational tracks uh, after fourth grade. So about the age of 10, like I went through the system, um, uh, or the, the post system, or the, that system, after the age of 10, uh, kids were selected uh, entirely based on their academic uh, abilities to kind of an academic, longer ed- educational pathway. And then those who didn't, uh, you know, be able to, to pass the test or for some other reasons that they normally had a much uh, shorter uh, educational path. So that was a kind of a thing where we started to realize already, you know, after the war, that, that this, this system is not going to be good enough for the country of four and a half million people that time. That there's a lot, lot of talent loss. We are losing a lot of kids who, who could contribute to the society mm-hmm. and economy and other things much more. Uh, there was a clearly a huge uh, inequality issue. Uh, in, in this in this old system uh, because of the fact that you know it divided kids at that that uh, young age uh, but then it, it, you know interestingly we were also kind of a, having a sense of you know lacking behind the, the west and that was particularly important that time because you know the post war development after the second world war in finland economic and and social de- uh, development had been really rapid and and, and and fast but then we we joined the OECD in 1969 that was a very important one of those important economic milestones in our history and and the, the first OECD economic survey of finland this is what the the membership brought to finland that was published in 1969 noted um, and I, I quote here it says that the heavy weight of, of agriculture both in terms of output and employment is still an important feature of the Finnish uh, economy. That was since 1969. Uh, so uh, agriculture still that time employed about a quarter of the Finnish workforce. The industry accounted for about one third of the Finnish work, uh, for, for, uh, workforce. Um, and uh, so this was the in- industry was dominated by wood and you know forestry and pulp and paper sectors and also metal industries and shipbuilding and transport and uh, electronics. Now, you know, Finland's econ- uh, income per capita at that time, uh, when, we, when we started to, in 1972, when we started to build this new system of education, was almost 30% lower than in Sweden. So we were clearly behind the, our Western neighbors. And, and that's why, you know, there was a strong understanding in the country in the, in the late 1960s and, you know, 50 years ago in the building this new system that a small country without significant natural resources can only be successful if it's investing in smartly and and uh, cleverly in its human resources and that's why the the dream was to have a secondary education for all possible that was not possible that time in the 1960s uh, opening higher education for everyone who wants to study in the higher education and make sure that education continues to be a public service the kind of a human right that everybody had a had a right to education so so that's that was a kind of a picture 50 years ago when we started to kind of dream about this new new system. I often say that, you know, in, in the United States, you probably remember this uh, well. It's, uh, it's often used as, a, as an example what the JFK in early 1960s, um, when, when inspiring American people to, you know, go send, send man to the moon and back <laughs> by the end of the decade. We had a similar dream here in Finland 
the kind of a Kennedy's type of dream to have a good public school for each and every child in every every village and everywhere in Finland, regardless of you know where the kids are. And that that was the same type of kind of a moonshot idea that the Americans had in the technology and space um, uh, exploration. But but we had we had a similar reactions here also that you know you cannot do that. That country cannot. No country has been able to do this yet. But we still dreamed about it and, and started to work 50 years ago for that dream. Well, you've just been discussing this, Dr. Solberg, but can can you, uh, what was the, tell us what was the catalyst the, for the for the government and the people of Finland to really decide to just completely overhaul <laughs> the, the education system in Finland? Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, the, 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 the basic understanding was that, you know, what we had uh, in the early 1970s was, was clearly not enough given the uh, the dreams and uh, aspirations that we had. Remember that we 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 had just joined the the OECD, and OECD had to, the OECD is a club of the wealthy, advanced economies in the world. So so we were there in a kind of a new, the youngest member of the OECD, and so we we were a small nation that had big dreams. So we, Finland has always been dreaming big things, uh, and so we understood that you know you cannot you cannot uh, accomplish fulfill your big dreams unless you you know have a better education so we needed to do that so the, the we also acknowledge that we are a small nation between the much bigger and powerful neighbors the we uh, the, the 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 east that time the soviet union and the west the the, the entire oecd um, and and the western europe uh, and that was also it's, it's a very important driver for this Finnish education transformation, this understanding that, you know, being squeezed between these two powers in the East and the West, that if we want to survive, we need to have good education. That's the only way. We, we, we can never beat our neighbors using the military power or even <laughs> economic power, anything like this. We, we, need to, we need to have education that will help us to survive. And then the, finally, I think the, the important thing is that is often ignored is that, you know, nobody speaks Finnish. Uh, there may be some people <laughs> in Minnesota that understand Finnish, but, you know, Finnish people, uh, you know, before they go to school, they understand that, you know, if I, want to, if I want to get by anywhere outside of this country, I need to learn another language and not just one, because we also need to learn Swedish. Um, uh, by the by the constitution so so we need to have you know education is the best way to make sure that everybody every Finn is a multilingual so that they can they, they, they're able to do that just look at the ice hockey players they're playing there in uh, mm -hmm. uh, in, in Minnesota they are all you know cause uh, Miko Koivu and yep. other guys you know they are they, they can speak number of languages but and, yeah. and they could not do this thing without you know be able to to have a good education so you know this size this smallness of the country that we are small uh, in in many ways and much smaller than you know most other uh, places is driving this thing that you know if we if we want to be small but still have a kind of a significant role and impact we need to have you can we can only do that by having education that is able to get the best out of you know each and every one of us and that has been the this notion of smallness and our role realistically has been the the most important driver for this uh, turnaround. So, Dr. Salberg, it sounds like uh, the Finnish uh, political leadership, uh, the people of Finland sort of had an, an epiphany about what you needed to do to fundamentally reform your education system. Uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about the stakeholders who were both for and against the sort of a radical change in your system, which I, I want to hear about in a little bit. But that'll help our listeners to understand what a monumental undertaking it was for reform in Finland 50 years ago today or from around now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's a it's a big it's a big question, and it's probably difficult to explain in a detail that everybody would understand. But um, you, you know, this abolishing this parallel system that I mentioned earlier that we want we wanted to do away this uh, this 
dual track dividing you know kids in a, in a two different educational pathways at the um, age of 10 and replace that with a comprehensive school that would keep each and every child in same not only in the same school but also in the socially mixed classrooms this was a difficult thing for many people to accept you know there were a lot of people in the 1960s uh, in politics but also outside of politics in the, in the business and industry uh, who basically say that you cannot do that that you cannot kind of assume that all kinds of kids would be able to be educated well enough in the same classrooms and so so you know some of those stakeholders that that really um uh, were resisting this this kind of a faith that you cannot you cannot educate all kinds of kids in the same school and classroom where the teachers and that 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 was a very important driver of this positive movement is that the, most of the finnish teachers not all of them but most of them kind of had a very optimistic view about how how we can educate everyone and and so the all the most of the teachers and all the teacher organizations were kind of pushing this idea that yes we can you know we can have a school we can have a school system even where all the children can learn foreign languages and mathematics and reading um, and um, and other things so so this teacher pressure and kind of a that the teachers were convincing parents and others and the kids as well in the communities was such an important thing but this was also politically uh, very hot topic so if if anybody there thinks that you know Finns have been just uh, able to decide the things uh, and and then move on and and no debates and and <laughs> and noise that's not so you know this was a hugely controversial this whole issue of building this comprehensive school that was based on equity or equality and uh, you know the, the the kind of assumption and belief that we can educate uh, everyone so there was a political right that was really resisting this idea we had number of private schools before the 1972 uh, and many of these private school, these uh, private foundations, actually, that were, were running off of their parents, they were resisting this idea that no, they, 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 that we need to have a kind of a system that is educating el- the, the so-called elites and, and providing a world-class education for some students and then, you know, some type of education for those who are not, uh, you know, able to believe in this elite. So, so that's the that's the other side of this thing. And you know, this this debate continued all the way through uh, 1990s. I, I remember when I was working at the Ministry of Education uh, that it was it was still a big debate. And interestingly, the OECD that was is is now doing this um, uh, well known program for international student uh, assessment, the so called PISA, that was the first time uh, conducted in the year 2000. Uh, it, so this debate in Finland domestically went on all the way until this first PISA 2000 results were published in December 2001. That surprisingly, you know, surprising everyone in Finland, including myself, uh, ranked Finland as the the most successful education system of all in the OECD. And uh, you know that's that kind of a muted much of this debate when when people were able to show that just look at the how our school system can do compared to other systems in the world that we are basically number one with this system that we started to to create exactly 50 years ago so so but it has been a very painful uh, conversation and debate but you know those who know Finns, they also know that when we when we agree on something collectively that when we decide to do something then most people will shut up and go and do the work and that's not that's not what's happening in many other places like you know i spent i spent 10 years of my life in the united states in different parts and i often think when i engage when i'm part of these debates that are often interesting in the u.s 
but my my conclusion often is that these my sisters and brothers in the U.S. that they they're more interested in who is winning the debates <laughs> in these education debates than you know whether we can find a common kind of a space and 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 foundation and then say that okay let's shake our hands and let's go and do the work that in many other places it's, it's all about you know winning the debate winning the winning the arguments and then go home and say that again i was able to you know beat these others and th- you know that doesn't lead anywhere but the Finns are not like this that we, we behave a little bit differently you know even compared to swedes that swedes are also and i know that there may be some swedish minnesotans listening to this but but you know the swedes are also very different they, they, they want to argue the swedes want to kind of talk about things and they want to talk and make sure that everybody has a kind of a opportunity to say their opinion but twins are not like this we want to talk as well but at some point we say that enough talk let's go and you know do what we need to do and that's that's also behind this uh, this idea that we have been able to do and, and dr salberg I, I can attest having served as naval attache uh, in helsinki for two and a half years working with your uh, ministry of defense and whatnot that when Finns make a decision, they carry out that decision uh, as a group. It's it's really absolutely it's a great thing to watch. Uh, so learning how to how to agree that's the the first lesson we can learn <laughs> as Americans from the Finns. Uh, you're listening to Public Policy this week, and we're your hosts, John Olson and Rich Larson. Our guest today is Dr. Posse Salberg, and we're discussing the reform of the Finnish education system. Uh, Dr. Salberg, the story you've uh, told us so far about fin- about changing Finland's education system—I mean, it's it's really it's fascinating. I- I've done some research on the Finnish education system uh, to prepare for our discussion today. Uh, I-, I was lucky enough to talk to a lot of people in Finland when I was there for two and a half years because my my dad was a career educator here in Minnesota uh, in the Bloomington public school systems. Uh, can you talk about what it's like today for someone who would like to become a teacher? in the Finnish education system? What, what qualifications do they need to even apply for the position? Uh, what's the competitive process like to get hired? And, and if you are selected, what happens next? Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, uh, John. You know, this teacher question is a very uh, interesting and important, but it's also often misunderstood when it comes to Finland. Most, most people kind of argue or conclude that you know, Finland has been able to do so well internationally in education because only because of the teachers are, are so great. And I, I think it's also it's important thing, but it's not it's not enough to to explain and really understand the performance of the system. But I'm, I'm very happy to talk about this teacher thing. I, I used to be a teacher myself, uh, teaching mathematics and, and physics in, in, in the Finnish schools here and training teachers. So I, I speak, speak a little bit about those things that you asked me to, to talk about. You know, the, the, the basic idea here is that it's very important that everybody understands. It is that in Finland, teaching is a profession. Mm. So it's a, it's a profession based on academic uh, initial education or preparation, akin to medicine or law in the same way. So the teachers are trained in the same research universities through the similar programs than, you know, all their, all their colleagues and, and uh, others in, in the similar level, kind of advanced academic degrees. So this, this is the kind of a basic thing that we, we assume that teaching is a, is a profession. It's not a trade. It's a, a craft. It's a, it's a profession. And, and that's where, you, you know, this whole thinking in Finland starts. How do we what, what does this profession look like when, when we're talking about primary school teaching or secondary school teachers or even even preschool teachers? So in, in Finland, 
Uh, John, I, I think it's, it's extremely important to understand that when we are selecting young people to become teachers in these academic programs in our research universities, and there are no, no other pathways, like in the United States, you can become a teacher through uh, Teach for America, different types of fast track things. But in Finland, just like in a medicine and law, that if you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, you need to do certain things in our research universities and earn your credential. It's exactly the same here. So it's... If you want to become a teacher in Finland, it's not enough to be academically smart. It's important to be that it's important that you have a kind of a good and strong knowledge foundation of your particularly the subject that you teach. But, you know, even even primary school teachers that they need to have like a strong general understanding and knowledge. But unlike in the United States and many other countries where people believe that only if you are a smart high school graduate, uh, is enough to make you a good teacher. In Finland, we don't think like this. We t we think that it's it's probably a necessary condition, but it's not enough. So all these teachers, if you want to, if you dream about being a teacher in Finland, you also need to have a kind of a. You have to be able to show that you have a moral purpose, that you understand that is driving you to teach, that you have a personality and and you know sometimes we call we call it a calling that you need to have this calling to teach. It's not about, you know, two and a half months summer holidays and, and good salary that drives you there. You need to you need to be able to explain why you, why you want to teach. And then finally, you know, the, how teachers are trained and everybody knows this. Uh, if you're a young person in Finland, is that when you when you receive your initial teacher education in these research universities, that you, you, you need to do a similar type of clinical training and preparation that medical doctors do in our teaching hospitals. And, this, you know, this is what makes the, 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 this teaching profession unique in Finland, that we are we are having this system, just like in medicine, that we, we are helping students to build the bridge between the theory, theoretical knowledge and practical wisdom to teach through this clinical training system uh, that we have. So that is the this is a foundation and you know I, about my niece who was you know one of, one of those smart, academically really smart uh, girls uh, after high school a few years ago some no, 15 years ago um and he, you know her dream was to become a primary school teacher so he tried to get into this primary school teacher education program here at the university of helsinki where there were about 20 20 applicants for uh, every single st uh, study place in a primary school teacher education master's program. Oh. So she went there and after a couple of months after the, the entrance examination, she called me crying saying that I couldn't get in. And so, so I, I want you to understand what, you know, what, why, why she was not successful as a smart girl and, you know, doing music and sports and you know, all these things that are, are required. And the thing was that, in the interview, well, you, you know, in Finland, every single candidate, the, the student before they are offered a study place in the university will be interviewed, just like in a job. But you, you need to be able to explain this moral purpose and many other things. So they ask in the panel, they ask her that, why do you want to teach? You know, why not to become a, a businesswoman or a lawyer or a doctor because you're, you're straight a student, you could do that. And I ask her, ask my, my, my niece that, so what, what did you say? And she said that, you know, I didn't think about it. So I said that, you know, my my uncle is a teacher. <laughs> and I said, did you say anything else? I said, yeah, I said that my grandfather is a teacher. And, there, you know, there are a lot of teachers in the family. But, you know, this this is a kind of example that, that you, you know, it's not enough to be smart. You, you know, if you don't have this moral and this purpose, if you don't understand the purpose of what you're going to do, that the, the universities are sending these kids often 
only to go to um, you know study law or medicine or business or economics or something like this because they were not good enough to get into the primary school teacher education. So that is the that is what has been driving this teacher preparation here in in Finland to become a very competitive and very high quality uh, adventure. That is a fascinating aspect of this. We, we uh, last week on this show, we actually were talking about education. Again, we're talking about funding uh, the K through 12 system in, in Minnesota. And one of the things we got into was how um, the teaching profession in America um, is, can be looked down on. Oh, and yeah. and, and it, when, when I was a kid, I used to hear this phrase, those who can't teach. And it, it's it just it's a polar opposite from from what we're talking about in Finland. That's just that's fascinating. Anyway, uh, so Dr. Selberg, I need to ask you the hard question here. Um, whenever we talk about public policy, one of the critical issues that, that is always going to come up is what's it going to cost. <laughs> It sounds to me like Finland just made the decision to spend a great deal on education by changing who would get into teaching, how, how people would become teachers, by limiting class sizes and other things. From your perspective, as someone who has really studied this issue, can you talk about the cost-benefit analysis of Finland's reforms and how the system functions in, in modern day? Has the cost to change uh, you know, in, in disruption of the old system and paying teachers much more and keeping class sizes small, has it been worth the outcome yeah no it's a, it's a good and it, it is a hard question the the funding uh, funding is uh, a very difficult uh, difficult it's difficult to understand and explain in in many other places and and certainly you know just to give you one idea of the the, the difference between uh, Finland and the United States as a whole and I understand that there are 50 states and and 14,000 school districts in the US so it's, it's we, we should not compare these systems too much but in the U.S., it's very well known that you know across the the, the nation uh, that almost half, probably forty percent of your teachers who start their career as a teacher uh, within the first five years they're gone mm -hmm. and they go and do something else. Most of them never return back to teaching. But just you know, if you ask how much does it cost to the system to replace those uh, hundreds of thousands of teachers who just leave the school because they they don't find it kind of inspiring or the working conditions are just uh, too much for them. And and you you know one thing if you wanna if you wanna think about money and and make sure that you know get the you get the best rate of return to your your buck you know it's it's one thing is to try to minimize these losses and this is again I'm gonna give you a, a Finnish formula of education funding in three steps that includes this idea you know how to do this and John you know you you know Finland and again. Uh, you, you know, there's nothing new to you because this this is a beautiful uh, kind of a minimalistic way and simple way of thinking about how to make things work. The number one is that we try to minimize losses. So we, we try to make sure that we keep our teachers that we train, that no teacher should leave because they are not happy with the work. Every teacher that leaves, like in the United States, costs a lot of money. That's an extra. It's a waste. Then the other one is the teaching time. I think we need to ask very carefully how much time teachers should be teaching because every hour that the teachers teach costs money. So, so you can you can basically say that the less teachers, less teaching we teaching time we need from teachers, the cheaper the system. Uh, and then the bureaucracy. You know, the, in the U.S., the the entire 600 billion uh, education budget in the U.S. Uh, almost half of that is about the bureaucracy. It's about all kinds of things that have nothing to do with what teachers do or or, or what the kids do in a classroom and then the, the whole management system that you know if you can minimize those losses like i call losses the time the bureaucracy and management 
you can run the, the system cheaper. It's simple like this. Then the other one is the um, the to optimize the teaching and learning time balance. You know, it's interesting if again if you compare Finland and the United States, uh, the you know teachers teach much more in the U.S. and the kids are spending much more time in the classroom than here in Finland. But still, if we look at the outcomes, the Finnish students outperform most of the American students um, uh, 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 because of because of this. So we call this a kind of a less is more thing. So so nobody should believe that by teaching kids more, giving you know giving them more instruction time will help them to to you know get better outcomes. That just doesn't happen. And Finns understand this very well. That just teaching more, you know, putting more time into this formula, uh, expecting higher outcomes, it just doesn't work. So this is what. And then the third one is, I think. Uh, and the final point here is the, to, to, the Finns have been able to design this education system from the children's perspective, not mm-hmm. just for the teachers and adults. And most other education systems are entirely designed from the employment uh, or adults, uh, teachers or the systems, the politicians or policy perspective. We, we also include this uh, children's perspective, like, uh, for example, that uh, are the schools ready? The school readiness is, is a good point. That in school re- readiness in Finland means that the, the the schools should be ready to educate all kinds of uh, kids, not the other way around. That the kids should be ready for school. Uh, that we should have realistic expectations for for uh, for the kids um, and and teach them to be responsible for their own learning. This is something that's completely different world compared to in Finland and the United States and many other countries. And then finally, the, the teacher and learner agency, making sure that the, the teachers and students, that they, they have a kind of sense of ownership of this education that they do, not just that they are receiving, they're, they're kind of serving the, the pur- uh, purpose of function or something like this. You know, it's a simple it's a simple thing like this that minimize losses and optimize the, the kind of inputs, the time inputs and outputs, and then design the system so that the kids and teachers and communities would feel more ownership, more agency about these things would make a big difference uh, in the end. I'd, I'd like to just ask a quick follow-up question on, on this, if I could, uh, Dr. Salberg. Uh, for a t- comparatively speaking, I mean, I'm sure you know what starting salaries are for for teachers here in the United States. Uh, they're ridiculously low, frankly, uh, coming right out of college, under out of undergraduate training. With a degree in teaching, and they're, they apply for a job, they get picked up for a school system. Their starting salaries are are very low. Uh, in Finland, because you have professionalized the teaching uh, system, what kind of starting salaries, comparatively speaking, are are we talking about here for for teachers in the Finnish system? Yeah, you're absolutely right, John. You you know, in many places in the U.S., the the teacher salaries are not enough to make. Uh, a kind of a decent living. You know, talking about big cities like New York or Boston, mm-hmm. you know, the teacher salaries are higher than, much higher than the, the average in the country there, but still not enough to make make uh, make the ends meet. But, you know, in, in Finland, I think it's a, it's a tricky question because we don't want to pay teachers too much so that it would make the, the system too expensive, but we need to pay them enough not to keep keep away those kids, uh, young young high school graduates who become good teachers. So, in Finland, it's a, the starting salary of teachers in the schools, on average, is very close to the, the national average salary of the workforce. It has to be competitive compared to the, you know, what what the um, uh, people would earn and make in the similar after similar training, the master's uh, level training. So, in terms of the um, amounts, again, we have, you know, euro and US dollar is is almost almost the same. So it's 
it changes these figures a little bit. But a, a typically a teacher here would earn uh, probably about 50,000 50, euros a starting salary or something, something like this a year maybe a little bit less, 45,000. But what makes a big difference is that, that what Finland has done in this, this salary is that your starting salary can be uh, can be low and can be considered as a probably not enough. But what, what what the salary scale looks like when you progress in your career, if you stay if you stay in the uh, in, in the profession in teaching for 15 or 18 years, you reach the kind of a, the highest uh, salary level, and that, that you know there's a, there's a big progress there. So it's a kind of an incentive for you to stay in in school in Australia and many parts of the United States. This is not the case. That the teachers know that you know it doesn't matter how long do I stay in, in the service that I get a little bit more, but not like significantly enough. So, so the, you know, my risk, my, my answer to your question is that the Finnish teachers earn very closely what the national average is, but uh, the longer they stay in a, in a profession, the higher kind of pay raises that they can expect. And this is, this has been a kind of a positive incentive here. And at 50,000 uh, euro, um, that's that's very actually comparable to uh, starting salary where we are in Northfield. The starting salary for a, a public school teacher is $50,000. Um, but I think part of the difference, I, mean, I need to ask this question, you know, a, uh, a, a person who comes out of college at the United States of America these days could carry one hundred and twenty five, hundred and fifty thousand dollars in student debt. Also, um, that's not the case, though, in Finland, is it, Dr. Salberg? No, it's not because we have we don't have private education or private universities right. here. So everything, all the higher education is is paid. Students may have their their student uh, loans that they need to you know pay for housing and living expenses. But typically, you know, if even if you have a maximum uh, student loan after studying, you know, be a teacher or, or medicine, we, we are talking about very minor. Uh, again, mm-hmm. you know, something like probably. Thirty or forty thousand uh, dollars in total after five years. So it's it's not. But more, you know, most most students don't have uh, student loan. Again, the government is giving a kind of, kind of a subsidies or scholarship for everyone. They, uh, automatically, when you study, when you start to study at the um, uh, university, higher education, or, or further studies, uh, the government gives all the students a. It's probably seven hundred dollars a month or something like this. So you get it. It's almost like a salary. The, the hmm. uh, the thing that you can take with you and pay pay the thing. So so the uh, this public nature of the system uh, makes a big difference uh, in a place like this. I have one other question, follow up question, uh, Dr. Sauberg. So you mentioned five years of education. You've also talked about the professionalization of uh, of teaching in Finland. Does does this mean that every teacher who steps into a classroom into a Finnish classroom they have already earned a master's degree at a minimum? Is that how your system works? That's right. Yeah, you cannot teach here in the school system without master's degree anyway. Wow, that's a huge difference. That's a huge difference. Yeah. So, Dr. Salberg, economists often talk about the importance of uh, incentives as a driver of human behavior, and the theory goes that if you create the right incentive structures, you'll get the desired end states uh, that you seek in public policy, end states that are optimized. Uh, and if you don't get the right incentives, uh, you suboptimize the desired end state. <laughs> In other words, you get bad outcomes, wasting taxpayer dollars if you don't create the right incentives to drive public policy. Uh, you've studied the Finnish system of education for many years now. You were part of it. Uh, you led it. You've looked at other nation systems as well. Uh, all public policy has trade-offs, right? If we're going to be honest about public policy, we need to look at both the pluses and the minuses of any set of policies. 
So I'm going to ask you, can you speak to the trade-offs in the Finnish system today? What parts of the system in Finland, the teaching system in Finland, may not be working as well as they could be working? And what role do incentives play in sub-optimizing any particular aspect of the Finnish education system that is not performing as well as it could or should? Yeah, this is a very important part of the conversation. Nobody nobody should uh, think that Finland has a perfect system without any any issues or challenges of course every every system uh, uh, you know has has their own own problems and and so do we here in in finland but you know my comment to this incentive uh, thing that is very important john to to be able to understand this and also ask this you know what are these uh, these these incentives like in finland that are relate related to the, the how the system is running for for those who are not familiar with the finnish how the finnish system is organized it's a, again it's a, of course a very different way to design the system than in the United States, for 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 example, that we have very strong kind of a local governance here. The the central central government has very little to say about what what the school should do or how it should be uh, should be organized, um, and and that the fact that the this local locally led uh, education um, structure that is a is a kind of a participatory in in terms of uh, teachers and educators having the leading key role in all the operational things again unlike in the united states um, for example that the teachers every single school and teacher design and 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 create their own co-create their own curricula uh, curriculum for the school so it's not the kind of a state given or or district uh, provided thing is some, something that the schools all they decide of course you know how to teach the curriculum but they also they also uh, you know, are responsible for assessing students. Again, unlike in the United States, where the, the heavy, sometimes heavy standardized testing system is, uh, is, is kind of, a, has taken this responsibility away from teachers. That is, a, is you know, working against of, it's a kind of a disincentive if you, um, you know, if you understand what I'm saying, it's, 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 that, it's, it's a kind of a making, making schools and, and, and teachers kind of further away from the, the actual, mm-hmm. uh, actual work that they do in a school. Uh, but you know, in, in in some ways, this this Finnish Finnish system. You ask about trade-offs, and I, I try to be honest and open very briefly here. I think one one thing that I can see as a as a minor trade-off here currently in this system is that, that I, I, to me, it seems like Finland is trying to win a wrong game in in a way that we we are by this I mean that we are we are still uh, we are still within this uh, kind of a mentality that we. We were the best country in the world, as I said earlier, in this 2001 PISA, and we have remained the, one of the highest performing OECD education systems ever since. But that we we try to kind of uh, run and and design and and think about the future of education with this in mind that we want to continue to be the best. We want to con- kind of maintain this poster child situation. And I I think that that's a it's a huge handicap mm. because we can be we can be best and good right now or we were 20 years ago but it doesn't mean that our education system would be able to um, you know be the best system for the kids and that's what matters it should be the best education system for these future children you know my kids and and everybody else's then the other one the other handicap is exactly the same as you you have in in your state and across the united states is you know how much the technology uh, and use of technology has changed children and the children's 
you know minds and brains and but also their behaviors and this is something that we can we can see here in the in the Finnish system that it's a you know the kids are not what they used to be and they, they often come come to school distracted disturbed mm. uh, with the, all kinds of mental health issues often linked to the, the heavy use of technology and this is something that I think the Finnish system is not has not really taken seriously yet that we we don't kind of kind of a if I put it bluntly that we, we don't kind of understand the 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 magnitude of the the issue uh, issue here and then finally i think the the system here is great the education system continues to be great but schools our schools need to do much more to you know keep engaging kids better in what they do so we still and i was looking at uh, you know visiting schools this week here and I, I i can see this myself that the schools are not to me that they're not thinking enough about you know how to really engage kids and how, how to you know, offer the children and students a kind of a co-ownership and co-leadership in school. And that's something we need to do much more work there. Folks, you are listening to Public Policy This Week, and we're your hosts, John Olson and Rich Larson. Our guest today is Dr. Posse Salberg. We're discussing the reform of the Finnish education system. Dr. Salberg, we're going to shift to a, a bit of a different topic now, as long as we've got you here on the show. We know that you're working on some new issues that now regarding teaching styles. And actually, I think you were probably just starting to get to this a little bit, looking at style and strategic uh, and strategies. Um, this is academically known as te- teaching pedagogy, the, the science of how to teach. Traditionally, we've seen most teaching be teacher guided in that teachers decide what to teach, when to teach and how to teach it. Math, for instance, uh, teachers would decide how to teach the subject and what pace, what topics. Uh, teachers would assess each student's uh, understanding of an aspect of math education uh, and, and alter their uh, their engagement with that student to improve his or her learning. But there is some debate about the importance of student-led inquiry and the benefits to students in pursuing their own interests under the guidance of a qualified teacher. In the case of math, a, a study a student would guide his or herself in studying math and the teacher would step in to assist or take time to assess whether a student is mastering the subject. Can you talk a bit about this debate between student-led inquiry and teacher-guided instruction? Yeah, yeah, I think I think this is a, you know, this is this has been a debate here in Finland and in, in Australia. Uh, and we need to, you know, my first comment here is that we need to be quite careful with these concepts of student student-led inquiry and teacher-guided um, instruction or sometimes you know the debate is about the teacher uh, teacher-led or student-led um, instruction or teaching and you know for me when when i think about this and I'm, I'm very happy to you know talk about this to the minister of the audience because i know that you know one one part of one aspect of the school development in your state there has been exactly about this uh, like a school uh, teacher teacher led and student led uh, mm-hmm. schooling and, and and pedagogy and education that is a very very kind of a positive and interesting development over there but the the, the key point for me in the student led uh, processes of pedagogy and education is that the 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 whole assumption is that the the kids learn the best when they are intrinsically motivated to do so we have known this for the last 100 years there's nothing uh, nothing there's no rocket science behind this but then we we also need to in the student led pedagogy or approach we need to to include this idea that the the, the learning should be self directed if i can use this word mm-hmm. meaning that the students are leading that they're taking the responsibility of their own uh, own learning and then that it's focusing on problem solving or inquiry as as the term says in a, in a way that 
uh, that the that students are, are trying to figure out themselves the problems, solve the problems that are meaningful for them. So, so these are some of the features that are come come with this uh, student-led idea. Now, then this teacher-guided thing, which is a for me, it's a, it's a positive thing, and we should not kind of uh, undermine this the importance of the, this teacher guidance. Uh, as part of the pedagogy in the school, it's we, we often you guys in the United States in English you use this uh, term scaff, uh, scaffolding. Scaffolding meaning that yep. we are the teacher's role is to help and support the learners to do exactly this intrinsic motivation, self-directedness, and problem-solving creativity. These things, and then when the students, when the kids are able to do this, then we take these uh, sca scaffolds away so that the, the learning takes kind of a uh, the, the lead, lead uh, by itself we need also coaching and and co-learning um that we, by by the teacher in, in in this process and then finally um i i think we we need to avoid this these debates that it's either uh student-led inquiry or it's a kind of a teacher-led or teacher-guided instruction i think in, in a good quality pedagogy and and this is this is where this is how the finnish teachers are trained and prepared uh you know these two things the student-led and teacher-guided co co coexist uh, like a simultaneously uh, to, together they, they they work in a in, in concert um and and that's the kind of a beauty uh, and that's also the complexity of high quality teaching and learning if when people are able to do that so so what, I, what i'm trying to say here is that we, we need to stay away from these these either or debates uh, which is better and and which is not and, and try to find find really understand the way how this teacher-led and stu the, 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 sorry student-led and teacher guided instruction can coexist and support uh, one another it sounds like what you're saying is it's sort of a yin and yang uh, approach exactly. it's all part of the yeah. same whole yeah, yeah. Uh, dr Salberg, i'm going to put you on the spot now <laughs> you have many oh, friends ahead. here in the in the state of minnesota you've visited here many times uh, hopefully you won't lose any of those friends or even be barred from visiting minnesota ever again based on your response the population of finland is about 5.5 uh, million people uh, your nation funds a navy, an air force, an army, a border guard. You staff embassies around the world, and you still have a fantastic education system that produces kids who routinely test best in the world on the PISA, uh, which you mentioned before. Uh, Minnesota has 5.6 million people, so we're almost identical in size, but we don't have to fund our own military or foreign ministry. As someone who has studied your own education system in Finland in great depth, and you've studied education systems in other nations around the world, would you advise the state of Minnesota, which it compares almost identically population size with Finland, to adopt the Finnish model? Why or why not? What are the, the trade-offs here in Minnesota in the idea of embracing a Finnish model for our own education system in our state? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, you you could have added also this uh, ten thousand lakes that you have. You have ten thousand <laughs> lakes. It's a similar similar thing. You know, I I often sometimes in in the early years of this when this uh, Finnish model conversation started to go global, that there were there were people who were saying that, you know, Finns are doing so well in in Pisa and school because it's always dark and snow and icy. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else to do but you know stay indoors and do your mathematics and, and literacy and and then. Um, you know, I often pointed out to uh, you know places like Minnesota and um, and other Nordic countries that you you know we can we cannot use these funny uh, funny things. But but your question, your question, uh, whether Minnesota should consider the Finnish model is uh, you know this is not the first time I hear this. I've, I've been in the, as I said I've been in the state a number of times, and and this has been asked me uh, before. 
I have, you know, the, the more we have had these conversations, the more careful I have learned to be with this. So, so my answer, my brief answer is a yes and no. Okay. And, <laughs> and you, know, you know, yes means that, that you know, we, we, we definitely, the Minnesotans should not in, ignore the Finnish model by saying that, you know, Finland is far away and it's not like America or, or, or the, uh, uh, even your state. You know, anybody who says that is a kind of a losing a good opportunity to, uh, you know, learn about how differently people can do and, and design education systems around the world. We, you know, without, without, <clears throat> without trying to see that, you know, what, what are the elements that, we, uh, that you guys in Minnesota, that you can, you, can, you can borrow or steal from the Finnish system. So, so they, I, I think that there are many things that, you know, could be helpful for the policymakers, for, you know, we're talking public policy here, the policymakers to uh, look at, for example, the, the, you know, this assessment, thing is that you know the, the why how can it be that <coughs> Finnish education system is one of the best performing systems in the world and they have no standardized testing that they don't you know they they kind of trust mm -hmm. teachers to do the test the assessment uh, of you know what the kids each and every child is is, uh, is learning in the school the why we couldn't do the, are we doing the right thing in Minnesota when we are relying so much on uh, you know these things uh, that we currently have so you know these are the kind of a types of questions that come with the um, uh, um, you know, comparing comparing uh, the um, the current policies and and systems in uh, in different places. I, I would say that you know Finland has much more to offer anybody, including Minnesota, um, as a, as a model of the system. Mm. We have much less to offer when it comes to how to run individual schools. I would actually argue that there, there are more interesting schools in your state. Uh, you, you know, schools doing interesting, innovative, uh, future, you know, forward-looking things that we have here in Finland. That we, you know, the, the beauty of the Finnish system is the system. It's a systemness that I, I call that is the the kind of a stronghold of this Finnish thing. It's not individual schools or even individual principals and teachers, and 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 that's something that again we go back to this education <coughs> policy aspect that that we can we can minnesota can probably learn much more about the policy and the system architecture and design mm. than minnesotans can learn about you know how to teach effectively in a classroom or how to organize certain things uh, in in the school because those things you know your teachers know how to do these things but your systems and most of the systems in the united states are not kind of they are not designed or structured in a way that would allow just to lead and do the best they can. Mm. So that's why, you know, when I was publishing my my Finnish lessons that was originally published in in the end of 2011, 11 years ago, uh, and I came across the same questions you were asking about. That can can we can we kind of a more copy the Finnish system and implement it in Minnesota or somewhere else? When it when my book went to the second edition and it's uh, published by the Columbia University Teachers College Press, I asked the publisher that could you would it be possible to have this little yellow sticker in the back cover of the book or even front cover that would say that don't try this at home? <laughs> <laughs> and they said we the publisher said yeah we 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 know we hear you what you're saying but maybe maybe not but I'm very 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 clear in the in the in the new forward for the second and third uh, edition of these books that I actually I'm actually saying this there that don't think that you can try a copy or implement the Finnish model in your system there that use fin use this book and use Finland as a kind of a uh, inspiration for you to think harder and more critically about what you do in your own system, whether the policies that you have there in place are the right ones. Could you improve or even remove some of these public policies that are 
preventing, you know, keeping teachers in your state and schools to do the right thing or do things better than they can. And that's my that's my advice still for those who are interested in looking at the Finnish model. Dr. Selberg, I want to ask you about your your published works, but I have to. I'm going to throw a curveball and, and go off script for a second <laughs> right. because I, uh, uh, some, I, as someone who I'm very interested in uh, societal stratification, and uh, I have to ask you this question just from your own personal observation. Um, Fifty years into this uh, this project, this conversation in, in, in Finland, how have you seen this affect? Finnish society and, and even class structure has that ha, you, you've got a couple now generations of students to come through the system what what in your observation what is what has changed no I think it's yes, a great question I think uh, definitely we have you know this understanding among young people that we uh, you know this is a nation of uh, social mobility that is mm-hmm. this is a the, the society not only education but you know all the other other areas is is designed in a way that you know anybody can become anything you know there, there was a, somebody ran a story about 10 years ago about finland and said that if you want to live american dream go to finland <laughs> and because, because you know you know this idea that america was built on that you you know people who came from all around the world to live live in the u.s was driven exactly this by this idea that you know, it's a country of uh, it's a promised land for those who want to make the best out of themselves. Mm. But it's not you. You know, you know this, and I, I do, and many others know that it's not for for most people. It's just a dream. It's not not mm. going to happen. But you know, it's not a dream in Finland that you can. If I look at the, our political elites, our prime ministers and presidents, and and you know the top politicians or scientists or artists, you know they're all kinds of people that they come through across different different kind of walks of lives and social groups. Um, because of the way the system is designed. And, you know, the important thing here is that kids, young people understand this, that they, they know that, you know, if I want to become something, it's up to me. It's mm-hmm. not about that I need to have a right kind of persons or I, I need to get to the right type of university or school. Everybody can do it. And, and that's, it's a very important notion uh, as a young Finn mm-hmm. is that, you know, this is up to me. That they are no, right. you know, they are not dead ends in education, and it's uh, everything is public. It, everything is paid for you. You don't need to worry about that. So it's up to me, what I want to make out of my life. And you know these guys. You know this much better than I do. That this it doesn't work like this in America. There are many kids who just are not able to do that. Same in Australia, many other places, who are just plucked away from, from their kind of a life dreams because they happen to be. Uh, Born in a in a in a wrong place or wrong time or, or different right. So so that's that's a beautiful thing that we have still in this system. Doctor Salberg, it sounds to me like uh, that 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 investment that Finland made fifty years ago was a str- a true strategic investment in the future of Finland. Uh, changing the Finnish education system has paid off uh, dramatically in Finnish society and for fin- the Finnish economy. Is that is that a is that a roughly a true statement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, beautifully summarized. All right. Now we get to talk about your, your, your published works. And I stole at least five minutes of your time, so feel free <laughs> to take as much time as you would like, Dr. Salberg, to talk about your, your, your most recent books. Because I'm after this conversation, I'm betting our listeners absolutely would like to know what you've been writing about and you know, where can they get those books? Where can they read these books? Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I published uh, most of my, my works in the United States, so it's easy if you're interested in, you know, taking a read, and I would be, of course, very happy to you know, hear your comments if you, if you do so. So yeah, any any major 
platform uh, on in the internet uh, is you know holding my books and you can you can have them so so the the, the couple of years two three years ago I wrote a book called let the children play um, with my my colleague from uh, New York so it's written by a, my, my American um, American friend where we we kind of put forward an argument that's uh, that how more play if we let the children play more that how it can save our schools and help uh, all the kids thrive um, it's, it's a beautiful story about the imp importance of that thing is that has disappeared in many American schools and societies, but it's still very strong part of the Finnish system. The kids are playing, kids are starting school later, they have much more time to play in the school and outside of the school. So read that if you are interested in, you know, learning more and understanding better about this importance of play. Then I wrote uh, uh, last year a book called In Teachers We Trust, How the, 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 the Finnish Way to Work Class uh, um, schools uh, again with my american another american friend uh, who's a primary school teacher here in in, in in finland and we both were kind of tired of answering visitors questions who came came here to um to see our schools the finnish schools and they all said before they went home many of them by by the way from the united states and said oh now i you know now i understand what uh, you know what's the, the kind of a secret of the finnish system is that you guys you trust your teachers <laughs> what does it look like you know this was the what does it look like <laughs> and and nobody could answer this that you know what but it just feels like you know the teachers and principals are trusted much more as professionals as they they are in the in the states and many other places so we wrote this book for those who want to really understand more about what trust in education school is and what does it look like in wow. Finland. And then finally, I have my, my third edition of Finnish Lessons that was mentioned earlier, uh, also came out last year. That is my, my probably the, the last edition of this series uh, of, of uh, stories. And it's a, it's a book-long story about these things that I've been talking about here, um, including this critical, like a COVID or post-COVID uh, conversation about how the Finnish system was able to cope and deal with this very difficult, uh, continues to deal with this difficult uh, uh, disruption that we have had uh, over there. Then I write, I run a blogs or, or uh, you know, publish stuff on my website that is easy to find. There's, as far as I'm aware, there's only one person with exactly my name. If there's somebody <laughs> in Minnesota with exactly my name, give me a call. And we, we but, uh, just just go and, and uh, put put in any any search engine my name and you, it takes you to my website and there's more, more stuff. And as I said, I'm very happy to you know, have a chat if you have something to tell me. It's just that, uh, please do so. Unfortunately, we've sort of reached the end of our show today. Uh, Dr. Posse Salberg, uh, Professor of Education at Southern Cross University in New South Wales, Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we hope you enjoy the remainder of your time in Finland. I guess you're getting on a plane tomorrow to head back to Australia. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me in your show. And um, again, greetings to all the um, Minnesotans there. Keep on doing well and good job there. Well, folks, uh, that is unfortunately going to close this week's edition of Public Policy This Week. Uh, we are on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1 every Friday morning at 10 a.m. We are your hosts, John Olson and Rich Larson. We've been talking today with Dr. Posse Salberg of uh, the... Uh, the great Finnish educator. Please tell your family and friends about this show. Remember, it is our hope that this show will get us back to having meaningful, in-depth, and civil conversations about public policy challenges, the challenges that we all share together as Minnesotans and as Americans and as Dr. Salberg has observed, citizens of the world. We want people to be armed with facts and data, to hear from policy experts, and for you to be able to use information from our shows to decide where you stand on these highly complex public policy issues. 
We'll have more shows on education in the future, but uh, tune in next Friday morning at 10 a.m. for our next show, and we'll cover marine fisheries. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you'll join our show again next Friday uh, at 10 a.m. You can find the recording of this show on our website, www.kymn.net, or on your favorite podcast service under Public Policy This Week. Have a fantastic Friday afternoon and a superb weekend. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.